Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Thrive Church, a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. Good morning, Thrive. How are you doing, 10 a.m.? Listen, you are the 10 a.m. You have had more sleep than the 8 a.m. So that requires a 10 a.m. response. So I'm going to do that again. Good morning, 10 a.m. <laughs> you guys are looking amazing. Wasn't that time of worship so beautiful? Apiwe led us in such a beautiful encouragement to trust God. I just want to say, Kulu, if you wrap me mints for Christmas, there will be, there will be hell. <laughs> Look, that is, that is not a gift. Nobody is expecting mints in a bowl for Christmas. Pastor Byron, if you are watching this, Please do not get me mints, nor Kulu's dodgy socks. <laughs> uh, so we are in our Christmas series entitled Joy to Your World. And when Pastor Byron and I decided on this uh, series, we had, we had to decide what it is that we feel and sense for our church. And you know, it's so easy for us to preach messages like God with us which he is, and he has been, and he always will be. Also, things like, you know, all I want for Christmas, and make it all about us, and egocentric, and make it uh, like just a consumeristic mindset, which we don't actually need at Christmas time, because to be honest, there's enough consumerism around us. What we felt, and how we felt we want to angle our church, and just focus our churches, is that we are here for a purpose. We're not just here to fill a pew, to sit in a church once every um, couple of weeks. Uh, you know, we are here for a purpose. God has designed it that each and every one of us are here. And part of that purpose is that we get to be a joy to our world. And so today, as we launch into the remainder of this series, as we bring it to a close and as we end it with our Christmas uh, series, uh, Christmas services, uh, let's be a joy to our world. Uh, if you're watching online, we want to welcome you as well. We want to say if you're in Joburg at either Edenvale and Boxing, make sure that you are joining us in person on Christmas Day, either Christmas Eve service or Christmas Day. We would love to have you with us. If you're in the building, another way that we can be a joy to our world is you'll see there are some brochures on your chairs. Those are not just there for us to sit on. <laughs> and actually, we'd prefer us not to sit on them. They are there for us to take out and invite any remaining human being who is in Joburg, because it feels like the rapture. I don't know about you. It's just Shops are quiet, restaurants are quiet. It's beautiful, actually. <laughs> but invite someone to church this Christmas because everybody needs Jesus. And that's another way that we can be a joy to our world. You know, our carol services were spectacular. And they were a way that we could be a joy to our world. Each of us purchased our tickets. And if you were here, you will know uh, that it was such a joyous celebration of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But not only that, that our, we got to give money towards our Smile Foundation, which we'll announce shortly once we've finished uh, tallying that all up. So if you were part of that, thank you, thank you, thank you, Thrive. Uh, thank you for your hearts for the community. Thank you for your hearts for God and just continue to invite people uh, to the building where we can be a joy to our world just by reaching out to others. Let's stand together, uh, 10 a.m. Let's pray let's, as I launch into the sermon today. Pop our hands on our heart, lift our other hand to heaven, and let's ask God to speak to us. We're not here by accident today. 
We've chosen to be in the building, so let's, let's, let's let allow God to speak to each and every one of us. God, I thank you for this time of being in your presence. Thank you for the incredible worship. Thank you that you are already talking to us. I pray that as I preach this morning, that you would use me to speak directly into people's hearts, that it would be your word that touches people's hearts, minds, seeks, uh, seeps deep into our souls. Let us hear from your Holy Spirit. And everybody who was expectant for God to speak today said a resounding, amen, amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. I'm not sure about you, but this time of the year brings with it many expenses. November and December are just intense. I don't know if it's just me, but if it's you, give me a wave. Yeah, it's intense. What you need to understand about our family is like nobody had a baby the whole year, but they waited until November and December and January to have children. So I have eight, eight, including myself, eight birthdays, family birthdays in December and January, not just peripheral birthdays, you know, Pastor Steve's birthdays in December, Pastor Kathy's birthdays in January, my birthdays in January, there are just family members everywhere. So it requires a, a GoFundMe. Uh, and so I'm going to put a GoFundMe on Facebook, and anyone who wants to contribute to that, you're more than welcome. Uh, but not only are our eight family members in December and January, there are some in November and some in February too. Uh, but not only are there birthdays, there are all the added expenses. You know, just yesterday I had to go buy my children stationery for January. Like, who knew a pencil could cost that much? I'm like, just keep sharpening the ones you have, children. Like, <laughs> just use that little pencil. I, you know, I'm like, who knew a pencil could cost that much? Then every exam takes place in November. We have a piano exam in November, we, which costs money. Let me just, you know, take, say, the last 2%. It costs money. We have a theory exam in November. We have a dancing exam, come on, say it with me, in November. Okay, we have teachers' gifts. Now, I want to say I love teachers. I love them. I just want to honor them in June, not in November. You know, we have teachers' gifts. And so when I was talking to my grade five daughter, who you saw on the screen, which, by the way, took a lot of coercing to get them to participate in that video, as you could see. Uh, she's in grade five, and she literally has a teacher for every single subject. And when I say every single subject, I mean every single subject. Drama, music, art, STEAM. Who even knows what STEAM is? Um, English, Afrikaans, math, geography, history. Now, those are just some of the school ones. And then all of her after-school activity teachers as well. And so when we were approaching buying gifts in November uh, for all of her teachers, I said to her, Kate, I think it what would be such a great idea, and it was my great idea, is that you pick your top three to four teachers, and let's give those teachers like a significant gift, you know, just those. And she looked at me and she goes, Mom, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And I'm like, swallow hard, breathe. Um, Why, Kate? She goes, well, mom, what happens if one of my teachers is nobody's favorite teacher? Then they're not going to get a gift at all. And in that moment, I realized that Caitlin had decided who she wanted to be and how she wanted to live. She wanted to be a person who was generous. Albeit with my finances, she wanted to be generous. She also wanted to be a person who saw the least of these. 
Saw the drama teacher that nobody gives a gift to. Saw the music teacher that nobody gives a gift to. I know that because I was a music teacher. I got no gifts. I also want to say I was an online school teacher. Byron, I was an online school teacher this year for four to six months. I lost track. I never got a gift. (laughs) But the point is she decided who she wanted to be, how she wanted to live. And to be honest, it actually cost her. It took her over a week to write thank you cards to her teachers. So we bought more than 20 gifts for all of her teachers. And she spent... Uh, every afternoon, after extramurals, after tests, writing cards to each of her teachers with their names and what they did specifically for her. And she would do three a day because that was all she could tolerate. But she did it for a week and it cost her of her time. Deciding who she wanted to be and how she wanted to live cost her. Friends, the same is true of us. Not only Caitlin decided who she wanted to be and how she wanted to live. But we need to, we need to decide every single day of our lives who we want to be and how we want to live. In fact, a research tells us that we have 35,000 decisions a day as adults. We make 35,000 decisions a day. So we get to decide 35,000 times who we want to be and how we want to live. Let me give you a couple of examples. How will we treat the car guards that we come into contact with? How will we react to beggars when we see them? How will we engage with those who have hurt us or offended us? How will we live? Will we live with a generous spirit or will we live with a stingy spirit? Will we choose to be bitter and vengeful or will we be loving and forgiving? You know, will we live with integrity and honesty in our work situations or will we cut corners? Uh, Will we honor all people? And this is important to me. All races, all genders, which are two, um, all ages, will we honor everyone? Will we choose to allow the disappointments of this last season to make us selfish and insular as people? Or will we choose not to be like that? Will we choose to serve God God wholeheartedly or as a part-time Christian? We get to decide. Every single day, we have 35,000 opportunities to decide who we want to be and how we want to live. You know, there's a historical account in Scripture of a couple. And this couple decided who they wanted to be and how they wanted to live, despite the disappointments that had taken place in their lives. And this couple is found in the book of Luke. And to be honest, I believe that this is the start, the launch of our Christmas story. And it's a couple by the name of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we're introduced to Zechariah and Elizabeth, and this is what we know about them. Zechariah is a priest, and he serves in the temple, and Elizabeth is the daughter of a priest, and they marry each other. And it has been decades, and they have been unable to have children. Uh, They are saying that they introduce us here in Luke, and Elizabeth is at around the age of 88, and Zechariah is around the age of 90. And so you can understand that for decades they tried to conceive and they did not have children. And so despite the disappointments of their life, despite the disillusionment of, the, of their life, they decided who they wanted to be and how they wanted to live. And this is how we introduced to them in Scripture. It says this of them in Luke 1 verses 6. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commands and regulations. 
That's the first thing that we are told, besides the fact that they are unable to have children and couldn't conceive, that they were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments. Despite not having children, they chose not to turn their backs on God. Despite being disappointed that God hadn't provided the child that they dreamed of, they chose how they would live and who they wanted to be. Despite years and years and years of unanswered prayer, they chose to continue to walk blamelessly before God. And they chose to honor the Lord in every aspect of their lives. They had empty arms and dashed hopes, but they continued to serve God wholeheartedly. Just a sidebar. I know for many of us, this last two years have been a disappointing time. But how have we chosen to respond to the disappointments of our lives, to the disillusionment, to the unanswered prayers? Have we chosen to still serve God in spite of the disillusionment and the disappointment? Because we get to decide, are we going to be bitter? Are we going to be complaining? Are we going to uh, stop serving God? We get to decide every single day. There are 35,000 decisions that come at us, who we want to be and how we want to live. And because they chose who they wanted to be and how they wanted to live, there was this beautiful phrase that they were righteous in God's eyes. May that be said of me one day, that I was righteous in God's eyes. Continuing in the story, one day Zechariah went into the temple to offer incense uh, in the holy place. And he was offering incense. He was the chosen priest of the day and offering incense on behalf of the people. And while he was offering incense, a surprise visitor arrived by the name of Gabriel. Now, this was a huge surprise. And what you need to understand is why it was a huge surprise is that God had been silent for 400 years is what scripture tells us. That from the end of the Old Testament, uh, God had not spoken and it had been 400 years. And then all of a sudden, in the presence of Zechariah, who was offering up incense on behalf of the people in the temple, the angel Gabriel arrived. And this is what it says. The angel says to him, in Luke 1 verse 13. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Sorry, I'd be afraid, okay? Uh, God has heard your prayer. This is an important phrase, hold it. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. And you will have, a, uh, you will have great joy and gladness, another important phrase, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. Such an important scripture to hold on to today. Angel Gabriel came after 400 years of silence and says, God has heard your prayer, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. And they never stopped praying for decades. They never stopped praying and God heard their prayers. There's an important connection here. One, one scripture earlier, a little bit earlier, it says that they were righteous. And then a little bit later, it says that God heard their prayers. Now, we know from Scripture that the fervent prayer in James 5 verse 16 of the righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I don't believe it's a coincidence that they mentioned that they are righteous and then that God heard their prayers. These two things are inseparable. And so uh, it, uh, John exits the temple. He can no longer speak because because he didn't trust or believe that the angel, what the angel had said, which I think God was a little harsh. I'm not sure after like 
six decades of my wife not conceiving, I would believe him, okay? Um, so he comes out, he can't speak, he, he demonstrates to them through sign language that he's had an encounter with God. Elizabeth then falls pregnant. After Elizabeth falls pregnant, uh, they decide to go into seclusion. Now, in those days, ladies would go into seclusion at the end of their pregnancy, but the scripture tells us that she went into seclusion at the beginning of their, her pregnancy, probably because she was super old, you know, like they call a geriatric pregnancy today when you're 30. Um, she was 88, okay? Let's just keep that in our mind. Um, so uh, she w went into seclusion for that, but I don't believe that's the only reason she went into seclusion. I believe she went into seclusion because she was preparing her heart for the joy that she was about to bring to the world through John and his life. And so she went into seclusion. Um, a couple of months later, Mary, the mother of Jesus, falls pregnant. Elizabeth is her relative. She decides she's going to visit. Um, Mary decides to visit Elizabeth, uh, goes on a journey to visit her. As she enters the house, it says, as she entered the house with Jesus in her room, uh, the baby John leapt, and it's, the scripture tells us, leapt with joy in his mother's womb. It wasn't just a little kick, okay? For those ladies who have been pregnant, it says it wasn't just a little flutter. The baby leapt with joy in her womb. Just a beautiful picture of what happens to us when we come and encounter the presence of God, that we leap with joy, that joy rises up within us when we are in the presence of God. And so uh, they have a bit of a reunion. A few months later, uh, Elizabeth gives birth to John, um, who is, if you aren't sure about what the Bible tells us, this is John the Baptist, the one who later baptizes Jesus. Mary gives birth to Jesus. They grow up as cousins. And 30 years later, John baptizes his cousin Jesus and releases him into his ministry. Uh, and we're going to leave the story there for a moment. But it's such a beautiful start to the Christmas story and to the Christmas journey. And you might be going, well, Candace, that's amazing. But what does this mean to me? in this season, at this time? Like, what is this story? How do I apply it to my life? Well, if we just take a moment to look at some of the, the, the threads that are weaving through the story, we can apply it to our lives. Uh, the first thing and lesson that we can learn from Elizabeth and Zechariah is that we need to have patience with God. Patience with God. Elizabeth and Zechariah were patient with God. They trusted his yes. They trusted his no and they trusted his not now. They thought his, his, their answer to having a child was a no, but actually it was just a not now. And so they trusted the heart of God. They trusted him. They were righteous, is what Scripture says. And Zach, uh, Zeph, uh, sorry, um, I just want to find that Scripture. I don't want to tell you the wrong Scripture. Habakkuk says that the righteous will live by faith. Habakkuk 2. And so they were righteous and they chose to live by faith. And that was in what they couldn't see. Faith is living like in a way that you, the things you can't see are going to take place. And so friends, the same is, needs to be true of us. What area of your life do you need to be patient with God in? You know, for us as a Thrive staff, the past two years have been grueling. God has called us to help be a part of building the local church uh, here in Boxburg and in Edenvale. And he's called us and we feel uh, prompted by him to be part of building this local church here. 
And these past two years, where one of those years has been online, has been a really difficult space for us. How do we see baptisms? How do we see salvations? How we don't see youth in our building when there's youth services are supposed to happen. We don't see um, baptisms and we don't see kids in kids' church when we're online. And so it's been a really tough season for us. But we have been called to be patient with God. What area do you need to be patient with God in? Perhaps it's for a husband or for a wife. Perhaps it's for a baby. Perhaps it's for a job or a bursary. Perhaps it's for a spot in a university. Perhaps it's for an increase. Um, or you just need some more purpose and direction for your life. Perhaps you're wanting um, a word from God and you just need to be patient in that area. A P.W. said earlier, Proverbs 3 verses 5 to 6, trust in the Lord with all all of your heart, not some of your heart, as she said, but all of your heart, don't lean on your own understanding. If Zechariah and Elizabeth had leaned on their own understanding, they wouldn't have understood that John was brought into the world at a specific time for such a time as this to be the baptizer of Jesus. And so their patience with God uh, was part of a greater purpose. So they didn't have to lean on their own understanding, but to seek His will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. The second lesson we see from Elizabeth and from Zechariah is that, that we need to persist with righteous living. Persist with righteous living. Despite their disappointments, despite not having a child for decades, they persisted in what God had called them to. God had called him to be a priest. Uh, God had called him uh, to serve in the temple. Uh, God had called them as a couple for a specific reason for such a time as this. And they didn't put that aside because they were disappointed and disillusioned with God. No, they persisted in righteous living and honoring God with all of their lives and all of their hearts. They didn't allow bitterness to take root in their hearts. They didn't allow disappointment to take root. They served God regardless of the disappointments that had taken place. The message uh, paraphrase says this of them. Together, they lived honorably before God careful in keeping to the ways and the commandments, uh, ways of the commandments and enjoying a clear conscience before God. Now I know in the face of disappointment, in the face of disillusionment, in the, in the face of like, hardship, that it seems easier to throw the towel in on our faith. It's easier to go, oh, well, God, you didn't do this for me. Now I'm not serving you. It seems like the easy thing to do. The, the most like, oh, well, you didn't do this. I'm not going to do this. But friends, this whole year, our theme for the year has been, I'm better with him. And we need to believe that with all of our hearts, all of our souls. We're better with him in our disappointments. We're better with him in our joy. We're better with him in our heartaches. We're better with him in our families. We're better with him in our workplaces. We are better with him. If we don't allow that to sink deep into our souls, it's going to be easy when life happens, when circumstances happen, to let go of our faith. But we're better with Him. He makes us better. He helps us to navigate the difficulties of our situations. I would rather go through a difficult time in my life with God than without God. Because difficult times are going to come. Good times are going to come. But I want God in every single moment of my life. We're better with Him. And so how, how, how do we include him in our lives? Well, at Thrive Church, we say that we want to be with him 
and then we want to become like him, and then we want to start to do the things that he would do. And so the way that we're better with him is by spending time with him. You know, we can come to church once a week, once every second week. That's not time with God. Time with God is me and God every single day, either in the morning, in the afternoon, or whenever you find the right time and you connect with God. Because when I've spent time with God, I'm better with Him. Because then I'm with Him, be with Him, then I start to become like Him. And He starts to do something within me, and my responses to, to how life happens are different. I don't respond with a harshness and an edginess. No, I, I start to become better with him. And then I start to do the things that he would do. So the second thing that we need to see is that we need to persist with righteous living despite the disappointments and the heartache, despite the joys, despite the circumstances of our lives, we need to persist with righteous living. It's a choice, friends. We get to decide 35,000 times a day who we want to be and how we want to live. The third lesson that we learn from Elizabeth and Zechariah is that we need to pray nonstop. When the angel came, when angel Gabriel came to them, the word that he had was for them at that moment was, God has heard your prayers. God has heard your prayers. They continued to pray and God had heard their prayers because the fervent prayer of the righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Our prayers, friends, it can activate the hand of God to move in our lives. And we need to understand that our prayer can change things. Prayer can change circumstances if we would be so bold as to just keep praying. Matthew 7 verse 7 says, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, and the door will be opened for you. It's really important that we keep on keeping on, that we are persistent in our prayers, that we pray fervently because God hears the prayers of righteous people. So what is it that you've stopped praying for because you thought God wasn't listening? Can I encourage you to keep praying? Perhaps it's an unsaved spouse that you've stopped praying for. Keep praying. Perhaps it's a rebellious child. Can I encourage you to keep praying? Perhaps it's for breakthrough in your finances. Can I encourage you to keep praying, friends, because our prayers can activate the hand of God. So these three things, if we keep doing them, if we are patient with God, because His timing is not our timing, okay? If we persist with right living, if we don't throw the towel in on our faith because circumstances didn't work out the way we'd hoped they would. If we persist with our faith and if we pray nonstop, the result will be that we will bring joy to our worlds. The world that we come into contact with, we will bring joy to our world. So because John and Elizabeth kept doing these things, uh, because Zachariah and Elizabeth kept doing these things, John was born. And John brought joy to his world. John is the one who baptized people saying, hey, I'm baptizing you now. But there's one greater coming after me. I'm preparing the way for one greater. And John brought joy to his world. But not only did John bring joy to his joy, joy to his world, joy to his joy. Wow. It's a lot of joy. <laughs> Elizabeth and Zechariah also brought joy to their worlds by doing what God had called them to do. If we keep doing what God calls us to do, friends, we will bring joy to the world around us, the world that we come in contact with. 
it's important for us to take a moment to see is that God did a work in them and then he did a work through them. God did a work in Elizabeth and Zechariah and then he did a work through them after that. He did a work in their hearts which is why they they lived righteously. He did a work in their lives, deep within their souls. And then only after that did he do a work through them, uh, through the birth of John the Baptist. Thrive, we can learn a lot from Zechariah and Elizabeth. We can hear all of this stuff and we can say like, it's amazing, great message and go home. Or we can actually apply it to our lives. We can stop in this moment and take a moment just to look at these three points and actually how they apply to our lives. So right now in this moment, what area of your life do you need to be patient with God in? Where have you said, oh God, I give up in this space. What area do you need to be patient with God in? You know, Ecclesiastes tells us that God has made, it's a past tense phrase, everything beautiful in his time. In his time. Not our time. Not my time. You know, Pastor Byron says this, it's a very irritating, very irritating statement. It's very true, but it's very irritating. He says this, this quote, that God is never late, but he misses a lot of opportunities to be early. It's so true. Where is it that you need to just keep being patient with God? Because God is going to do something if we just keep being patient. He's going to make something beautiful in His time and at the right time. Second area is persisting in right living. Friends, I know these last two years have been disappointing in many instances. But Matthew 6.33 tells us to seek the kingdom of God above all else. Back to our phrase, live righteously and he will give us the desires of our hearts. That's what Matthew 6.33 tells us. And so when we place God first in our lives, above our kids, above school, above university, above our education, above our work situation, above our families, when we seek the kingdom of God, above all else, if we live righteously, persist with righteous living, He will add add all these things unto us. If we place the things in the right order, God first, everything else falls into place and gets added unto us. Such an important principle for us. Let's not flip-flop on our faith, dependent on our circumstances. Let's stand strong in our faith, no matter the circumstances. Let's seek His will for our lives above the circumstances that are taking place. Let's honor Him and live righteously despite what's happening. And then the third area of our life, let's pray nonstop. What situation, friends, do you need to keep praying for? What situation did you stop praying for because you thought God wasn't listening? What area in your life do you need to pray? Perhaps it's for a loved one's salvation. Perhaps it's for a work situation or for a job. Perhaps it's for a health issue. You just sort of got to a place where you're like, oh, well, this is my, this is, this is my lot in life. This is how it's going to be. Uh, what area do you need to keep praying? Because the fervent prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And so when we do these thing, three things, friends, 
when we are patient with God, when we persist with right living, and when we pray nonstop, you and I, we get to be a joy to our worlds. There's purpose that comes to our lives, and God does start to not just do a work in us, but then He starts to do a work through us. And then we get to be a joy to the world we come into contact with. You know, I've seen this so clearly in the life of one of our Thrive Church members. So I'm going to invite Mike Zitzman up onto the stage, if you'll join me, Bubbles. That's what I call him. <laughs> uh, give him a hand. So I'm going to give you a bit of Mike's story, and then a bit later I'm going to invite Pastor Steve up, and we're going to pray for Mike. But the, I've seen this principle happen so clearly in Mike's life. So God did a work in Mike, and then he started to do a work through Mike. Fifteen years ago, uh, Mike was driving past the church. He had had a really rough night. I don't think he went home. Uh, he was jawling, and um, he, him and his fiance or girlfriend at the time, uh, Bron, were literally at loggerheads, uh, having like war in their relationship. Mike had lost 120,000 rand in gambling, and he was driving past the church and thought to himself, I need to get my life right. It was in the middle of the week. And Mike was like, I need, I need to get my life right. I, I see the car under the carport, or I don't even know if there was one then. But he rang the doorbell. The backstory to this situation is Pastor Steve that day had prayed and said, God, I haven't helped anybody move towards Jesus in a long time. Would you let somebody come across my path who needs to meet Jesus today? And so Pastor Steve had prayed that prayer. Mike had literally hit the bottom of his life and said, like, I can't continue in this way. He rang the doorbell, came into the church. Pastor Steve and him had a cup of coffee and, and chatted um, about where Mike found himself. Mike said, I need to give my heart to Jesus. And so Pastor Steve didn't just go, yes, that's great, do that. He said to him, okay, that's incredible. But not only do you need to understand that the Holy Spirit will do a work in you, but then there needs to be some work that you do. You need to be a participant in this. You can pray a prayer, but that's not going to get your 120,000 rands worth of debt uh, solved. That's not going to restore your relationship between Bron and yourself. That's not going to restore the relationship. So yes, we're going to pray a prayer. And the Holy Spirit is going to do a work. And, and, and Jesus is going to cleanse you and you're going to be reconciled. But then you need to start the work. And so 15 years ago, Mike said, I'm all in. I will seek the kingdom of God above all else, and I will live righteously. Despite what I used to live like, God changed him. And in that moment, he knelt on the floor, which made him as tall as Pastor Steve. <laughs> he knelt on the floor and gave his heart to Jesus. And it's been such a beautiful journey. Nobody had to tell Mike anything. The Holy Spirit started to do a work in him. And he came to Byron and I and goes, I'm living with my girlfriend now. Um, I think we should move out. We didn't say anything. The Holy Spirit did a work. And they moved out. And they decided to live separately. And then they decided to get married. And then they moved back in together. And slowly, slowly, like that first year of marriage, they started to get out of debt. And they made a plan. The Holy Spirit didn't take away his debt. Okay, Mark and Bron had to do the hard work, and it was hard work. I mean, discussing it with them, they couldn't live like for the first year. It was pop and gravy, you know? That was what they ate. Um, but it was hard work. But the Holy Spirit did a work in him. And then slowly, slowly, Mark started to be with Jesus. 
Mark started to become like Jesus, and then Mark started to do the things that Jesus would do. And so it was a 15-year journey to get to a place, and five years ago, Mark was like, God is doing something in me. I need to, he's changed me, and I can't just be all about me and my life and my, I need to give back. And so God prompted Mark to start Shine, which is our social justice initiative here at Thrive Church. And Shine is an incredible work. Shine stands for Serving Humanity in Need Everywhere. And so the first place we found, Mike found, was down the road at Reicha Park in an impoverished community. And he, he just went into the school, asked what their needs were, and they said, well, we're really struggling with grades 10s, 11s, and 12s, um, and they need some tutoring in maths, English, and science. And so Mike got a team together, and he's like, well, God, you've done a work in me. Now I need you to do a work through me. And so they started with grade 10s. And then when they realized we can't just leave the grade 10s, the, the program expanded to grade 11s. And when they, then they thought, well, we can't just stop there. Then the program extended to grade 12s. And so up to date, we've had 175 matriculants come through our tutoring and mentoring program. Um, I mean, it's, it's incredible, and it sounds like a small number, but they've done three years of tutoring and mentoring in maths, English, and science, and, and Mark spearheaded that. He's like, God, use me, but then while in this space, when, when people got to matric, they were like, what are we going to do with our lives? And so Mark's like, no, we have a bigger problem. Like, they haven't got computers and Wi-Fi and can't do all these online applications for university. And so Mark said, well, let's give them a mentor to help them to apply for universities. And so he coupled them up with mentors, the top promising students, and then they gave them access to computers, helped them fill on online programs, and got them into universities from grade 12. And just last week, uh, two, three weeks ago, uh, Carmen Ogle, who's our worship leader here at Boxburg Campus, she got a message from the girl that she mentored. And the girl's mom said, look, your girl has done it. And she... Uh, she graduated three years of university with a cum laude degree um, and now has a job. So God did a work in Mike. It was a 15-year journey of becoming more like Jesus, becoming more like Jesus. After 10 years, he's like, I need to do something. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. Now do what Jesus would do. Then as part of the programming, they decided, well, you know, like the biggest problem is literacy. What we're seeing when they get to grade 10s and 11s and 12 is they're struggling to read. Um, and so we need to move into the space uh, and help with reading. And so they approached the primary school and said, hey, can we help you with a literacy program? And so far in the last three years, uh, 150 grade twos have gone through our literacy program uh, at Wacha Park Primary School which is 50 a year because we only have one prefab. We've only had one prefab, um, and so we've only been able to help 50 children. But that program runs every single day of the week. And the volunteers this year have spent 2,200 hours helping grade twos to read. And it's been such a significant program. And so just this year, Mike has secured a second prefab for next year. And so instead of 50 grade twos, we're going to be able to help 100 grade two learners uh, to read. 
And so that's where the rest of our Thrive community comes in. Next year, we need double the amount of volunteers in our literacy program. And so if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, God, is, I've got a morning a week. I can help in a reading, uh, help a grade two learner to read. I mean, no greater impact can be made uh, than if you join this program. So join, uh, go to the info desk, just put your name there. They'll give you more information. This is not a sign up. This is, I want more information on the literacy program. And Mike and his team will be in contact with you. Friends, I've said all of this to say that when we allow Jesus to do a work in us, he can do a work through us. And so what he did for Mike and Bron and their family now, because when they joined 15 years ago, they weren't married and they didn't have three kids. <laughs> but what he did in Mike and through Mike, he can do through every one of us. We're not just here by coincidence. God has a purpose for our lives. And so firstly, I think what we don't do enough of is we don't honor people. And so Mark, we want to honor you for the work that you've done over the past five years. We know it's been difficult. The, um, with, the, with COVID, everything has gone online. So the tutoring's gone online, the mentoring's gone online. The only thing that isn't online is the literacy program. Uh, but we have a small gift for you just as a way of honoring you, just to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for your vision. And uh, what I'd like to do is invite Pastor Steve up, and he's going to pray for you again. You don't have to kneel and be as tall as him. <laughs> but he's going to pray a blessing over you and your work as it just continues to expand and just like reach so many more people. Congregation, won't you stand with us? Let's uh, extend our hands towards him as we pray for him. And um, let's just honor him in this moment. Morning, church. Good. It's such a privilege to be able to pray for Mike. One other thing I did is that day I said to him, Mike, do you want to get out of debt? He said, yes. I taught him tithing after I led him to the Lord. Mike, it's been wonderful to see that scripture come to pass that says, he who began a good work in you is faithful yeah. to complete it. Sure, what a wonderful message, Pastor Ken. Thank you for honoring Mike here. Father, we come to you now in the precious and the wonderful name of Jesus. And Lord, we bring Mike to you right now. And I want to pray a blessing over his life. That you'd bless him spiritually with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places by Christ Jesus. Bless him physically with divine health. Bless him mentally with the mind of Christ. Bless him financially with every financial blessing. And bless his family. May he be like Joshua that said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And bless him socially that he will impact and influence the lives of so many people. Lord, I pray for an increase over his life. Increase his capacity for more of you and more of your presence, more of your anointing, more of your power, more of your glory. God, give him more of you in every area of his life. And Lord, may he go from strength to strength. And may that scripture come to pass, that God, that you will continue to increase his life and lead many, many, many souls 
to the kingdom of God. May he impact and influence that school and many other schools to come as you use him for your glory and for his good. So we thank you for the life of Mike, Bronwyn and their beautiful family and may they all be used for the extension of God's kingdom. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, let's give him a hand. Maybe seated just for a moment. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, we're going to just take a moment to respond to what we've heard yet today. Friends, we need to allow Christ to do a work in us and then to do a work through us. And I believe there's many people here today, might be here for the first time, you've never actually invited Jesus into your life, you've never actually asked Him uh, to do a work in you, you've never made Him the Lord and Savior of your life. Today's the day I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to respond and as Mike did that day say, I want to give you my whole life. I want to seek the kingdom of God above all else and I want to live righteously. You maybe have been in church for years and you've literally been flip-flopping in your faith. One day you're serving God because things are going well, and one day you're not serving God because things aren't going well. I wanna encourage you today to make a decision to seek the kingdom of God above all else and to live righteously. What we need to know is that all along, God wanted a friendship with us. That was His plan. But that Adam and Eve, because of their sin, it separated us from being able to have that friendship with God. And so what God did is He made a plan and He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins and in our place. And Jesus died and because of His death on the cross, we now can have a friendship with God. And that friendship with God allows Him to do a work in us. And later, after we become more like, like Him, He starts to do a work through us. And so today, friends, if you want to make Him your Lord and Savior of your life, if you want to invite Him to be your Lord, your Savior, if you want to invite Him to do a work in your life, in a moment, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. And I will just include you in a prayer. It's a prayer of surrender, a prayer that has the power to change your life if you, if you allow it to. So on the count of three, if that's you, if you want me to include you in your prayer, would you pop up your hand? One, two, three. Thank you, I see that hand over there. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you over there, I see your hand on that extreme left-hand side. I believe there's one or two more people. If you want Jesus to do a work in you and through you, would you just pop up your hand? It would be my honor and privilege to include you in my prayer. Thank you, I see that hand over there. Thank you at the back, I see that hand as well. One last call as I look across the auditorium. I believe there's one more person here today. Just pop up your hand. I'd love to include you in my prayer. I don't wanna delay the service anymore. If that's you, you want Jesus to do a work in you, then just pop up your hand. Thank you. I see that hand here in the front and at the back. Won't you thrive, church? Pray alongside everyone who's raised their hands today. Let's pray in full voice. Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, for far too long, I've kept you out of my life. I know that all along, you've wanted a friendship with me, but that my sin, it separated me from you. By faith today, I receive your gift of salvation. 
and I'm ready to trust and follow You as the Lord of my life. I believe that You are the Son of God who died on the cross for me. Please would You come into my heart and be my Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name and everybody together in one loud voice said, Amen. We hope you have been blessed and helped by this message. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.thrivechurch.co.za.